make a deal with Netflix and you don't have money that comes into you forever. You get paid and then money 20% more or 30% more, but you that's it. It didn't come natural to me. There's so many things that I think about now I wish I had known when I was younger. What I believe resonates with people who are particularly now is content that has some sort of meaning to it. It's more than just pure entertainment. And so suddenly MTV was the only thing it seemed in the whole world and all of Hollywood and everybody else was taking their cues from this startup. I did not know a single writer when I became a writer. I think if you're trying to become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult. Welcome to the Entertainment Business Wisdom Podcast. All right. Welcome, 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 everybody. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm Kaya Alexander, and I am your host of the Entertainment Business Wisdom Podcast. Today, we are recording this podcast with our special guest in front of a live audience, which I always really love to do, um, especially of writers today who've dropped in to be with James Morer from Roadmap writers. James is an author, screenwriter, producer, and motivational speaker who loves to find a way to succeed. He has also worked as an actor and voice talent on numerous projects. He's passionate about finding the story within the story and helping writers find their own given greatness. His other passion is being the San Fernando Valley's expert on finding the best pancakes. Welcome, James Morer. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I take my pancakes very seriously. <laughs> well, where's the best pancake place in the San Fernando Valley? I've got to know. Now. <sighs> Gosh, you know, it's changed due to the pandemic. Unfortunately, it used to be Dupar's in Pasadena because and the original Dupar's because they made them so well. Wow. Right now, I would say your best pancakes in the valley right now are at a place called The Nook. Uh, they offer a very, very wide selection of pancakes, and they make sure that they are prepared as pancakes, not just pan bread. There's a big difference. But, well, I don't know the difference. you got to enlighten me now. I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So real quick, in, in a nutshell, if, if the crust of your pancakes is like you could tap on it and, and you get a sound back like it's like, you can click on it you've cooked them too long that's the secret it should be spongy like a cake so that when you put the butter and the syrup in it melts through all the nooks and crannies so that when you take that first bite see already i'm going off on the tangent because telling me i all i want is pancakes now (laughs) see you know and i'm gluten-free because i'm celiac so if you ever find any amazing (sighs) gluten-free pancakes think of me because it's been years there are certainly recipes and places that will uh, uh, certainly provide you with gluten-free uh, alternatives so you can still enjoy the pancake experience. It's oh. all about 
the experience. It's the experience. Oh, amazing. Yes. I'm like going to be craving pancakes now. <laughs> so for all of our listeners, <laughs> for, for the length of time we talk. Well, hey, I want you to tell me a little bit more about you. You're a writer. You're, you've got acting experience. And you're also at Roadmap, our friends at Roadmap, who I just love. Tell us a little bit more about what you want us to know. Uh, wow. So, um, uh, me in a nutshell, um, well, first and foremost, I'm the, uh, head of, uh, outreach and, uh, director of diversity initiatives at Roadmap Writers, where we've helped, uh, almost 235 students, I believe to date, uh, find, uh, get representation. Um, uh, we're very, very proud of that. We help screenwriters and authors, um, as a screenwriter myself, uh, I was the 127th writer that Roadmap helped get signed. Um, oh, but I, amazing. yeah, but I got into this business like late. Like I wasn't like a 20 something that came into the entertainment industry. I was well into my four plus years. So well into my forties when I got in, um, I've always loved writing. I've always been fascinated by the business. What I did not have at, at the time when I first started was a clear understanding of how the business itself worked, um, which is outside of the writing. And I've been very, very fortunate to work on a number of projects, uh, connect with a bunch of people like Kaya, um, who have been very, very giving uh, and helping uh, guide me along in my career. I've worked on a couple of uh, films and television shows. I got to work on a Dick Wolf project, which was like one of my biggest dreams. Um, and, you know, the one thing that I can certainly point to is that I've always, despite the ups and downs and the challenges that are inherent within this industry, somehow found a way to continue to persevere and push on, you know, no matter what. Uh, absolutely. There are challenges. There are there are difficulties within this business for for everyone, no matter who you are, no matter what your age or, you know, or anything. Um, but I think if you go into that knowing that, you know, to expect that you are better prepared and not disillusioned or disheartened by waiting. <laughs> and I think that's probably the, the greatest skill that every writer must acquire is to the, is the ability to be patient because it can't, it can take a while. And yes, you absolutely must put in that 10,000 hours of writing and rewriting and rewriting in order to truly find your voice to find where it is you fit within this industry and to find the true portion of your passion that will continue to propel you forward and allow you to do anything and everything you want to do in this business. And that's me in a nutshell. Oh, I love that. I love your motivational speaker side too, because you're a realist and it is a yes. whole waiting game and it can be really painful. And then on the other side, like those of us who are called to writing, I think it's really a calling. Like no one, this is not, you know, <laughs> It's not a cakewalk. I think unless you're called to it, you know, why why bother? Um, it can be really challenging. So getting through the challenges, especially what like what you're talking to the students of my entertainment business school today. And um, I talk about finding your wolf pack, making sure that yes. you have your, your partners in believing you know, linking elbows with the right people. And what I know of from Roadmap, and I know at least 10 writers who got repped via Roadmap even last year. And here we are coming <laughs> into to 2022 is that you guys also help writers find their right rep they're good match yes how talk to us a little bit about that process because i know plenty of writers who got repped and were so excited and then realized oh my gosh i don't think i'm in with the right rep 
Yeah. And, and see, the thing that I, I think that most writers, no matter where you come from, tend to not put enough emphasis on is relationships. And just like any other relationship that you have in your life, I mean, literally, to a certain degree, your relationship with your with your management team will be as important as your relationship with your spouse. And I say that because if you are not connecting on as many levels as possible, if not every single level, there's that's where you find that disconnect. And that's why so many people who are so excited after they get signed and then after they've been signed for a year or so, it's just like my my manager and I, my agent and I, we're, you know, we don't hardly ever talk, we don't speak or whatnot. And a lot of times that's due to the fact that you're not really connected. And again, I go back to like a, a, a like a marriage. It's just like, are you excited to see your spouse every morning? You know, even with without the makeup or anything else, just like I'm still I'm still happy to be married to you. I'm still happy to be with you um, and look forward to the future with you. It's like, are you excited and, and do you get them excited about opportunities when they come along? Do they? Do they understand that, you know, you're 100 percent serious about this business? And I think the most important thing that writers take for granted is that they assume that the relationship that you have with your manager and agent is solely transaction. It is not. It must more. Could not agree more. It must absolutely be personal. It, I mean, it must 100% be to the point where it's like, you know, these are the people that you eventually want to invite over for the holidays. Seriously. And and you, if you do not go in with that mindset day one, you're already in trouble. It's, it's, so, it's so important to foster and nurture relationships that not only lead you to have a fulfilling career, but knowing that everyone on your team has your back and and the beautiful thing about it is that even even if these people well let me give you a great example i've got at least about half a dozen execs that i've become very very good friends with who who did not sign me however a number of them have said i'm willing to take your work out to help you get get traction to get moving and to have the kind of relationship where they're willing to be your champion is golden and in, in many ways in many ways is almost equal to if not slightly above the relationship that i have with my own representative and and that's not to say that i don't work to make sure that i've got a strong relationship with my with my team because it's just as much my responsibility as it is theirs but when you when you create and an atmosphere in a relationship with people where they immediately like seeing your emails come in they when when you call them up and they see your your name on the caller i did like oh oh god this is great it's so you know it's just like I, this is going to be a great conversation even if it's a problem you know we're going to work our way through it so lean hard on really crafting building and nurturing those relationships because a lot of what a lot of people will do is like once they get them they're like okay my, my manager whoever they're going to take care of everything i'm just going to sit back and take it easy absolutely not no one should ever work harder for your career than you and i told my manager that day one so that he understood that i'm in this for the long haul and we're partners and i'm going to hold up my end of the deal i love that and it's really echoes a lot of my own teaching and the mistakes i see because I, mm-hmm. I see writers drop into my dms and they go i'm wrapped 
but my manager isn't getting me the work I want. And I'm like, well, you know, how are you building relationships? And the answer right. is invariably, well, I'm not because that's my rep's job. And it's like, mm, no, your no. Job, <laughs> half of your job is to go make friends. <laughs> half of your job is to go make friends exactly. and figure exactly. out who you, who you want to play ball with. Who do you enjoy? Mm -hmm. You know, who do you want? I, I kind of joke sometimes that it's all, all about who do you want to have on your boat? <laughs> Right, right. You know, who do you want to invite, you know, fishing for the afternoon or, you know, like you said, come over for the holidays and hang out with the spouse and the family and your kids and everything. And, you know, you get exactly. to know, really getting to know and care about people. I really connected with you about that, too, because I feel like um, I love this you know, trend in the industry that's moving more toward caring and inclusivity. Uh, where, whereas previously when I was a development exec, you know, all the way back in 2005-ish, um, it was like a totally different business. There weren't that many women in it. I don't think I ever had a meeting with any people of color the whole time mm -hmm. that I was working that job. And I, I'm hoping that we're moving in a more inclusive and friendlier direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think part of the reason behind that is that we've been able to see and dispel a lot of the myths and a lot of the the notions that uh, only certain kinds of projects will be successful or, you know, you need a certain kind of person for for this to be successful. And we've been able to dispel that time and time again with projects that are that are run by people of color, that are headed by women who, who've done remarkably well, and not only remarkably well, but have done remarkably well at the box office. And so when when these things are happening and, and, and more people are seeing and experiencing um, people on the screen who reflect who they really are, who, you know, who look like us, who look like you, look like me, um, it says something. And we respond to those projects by coming out with our dollars. So it, it's a, it's, it is a very interesting time right now. And I tell people all the time, a lot of the people that I speak with at Roadmap, um, especially, especially the ladies, ladies, it is never, absolutely never in the history of mankind been a better time to be a woman in the entertainment industry because your 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 fire right now is killing it and people here's here's the thing that i don't understand because i hear a lot of people complain about you know there's not this there's not that but are you really paying attention to who's running the studios who's running the networks who the presidents are of the of, of the motion picture association of america who's you know who, who are the top showrunners who, who's making the most television right now Who's getting paid or being wooed by streamers and other networks? And you will find, by and large, the percentage is higher for women than it is men. Ladies, you're doing something. Oh, it's our time. I'm so glad to hear that. And Yeah, and it's been wonderful to see the rise of more inclusivity for women, too. You know, you touched earlier on this, and I want to circle back to it which is how are you seeing any shifts with ageism? Because I also came, you know, I was the development exec and stuff, and now I'm screenwriting. I don't have any goals of being staff. That's not my thing. But, um, you know, being in, being in your 40s, being in your 50s, being in your 60s, how do you uh, address and approach um, writers who are coming to this career uh, having aged in the barrel a little longer? <laughs> so, and, and this is, this is my, my particular... Uh, most passionate spot, uh, being a member of the silver hair community. So this specifically is for all of us who, who, who have a little, a little touch of gray here or there, wherever, you know, we don't move as we, as well as we did in our twenties. 
when when people tell you and and this is what i mean by by interpreting the code so you'll you'll hear you'll hear this from time to time a lot of times you will be told throughout your career hey you should just write what you know right write what you know you know just you know start up there and you know see how where your career takes you and someone someone uh, very close to me always said james you should respond to that question like this I'm happy to do that as soon as you can tell me and point me to where where these certain people live, because I need to know how many Klingons Gene Roddenberry interviewed before <laughs> he met, you know, before he made Star Trek. How many how many Vulcans lived on, you know, on an Echo Lake for me to go because they didn't. Now, here's the most important thing. Um, when I first when I first truly landed here in L.A., um, one of the things I did was I attended, um, I applied for the Warner Brothers workshop for their, their TV writing workshop. I, I didn't make the final cut, but they were kind enough to invite me to come to the Warner set to take the tour. And, you know, we had a, a general powwow meeting. And so it was great. It was wonderful. I got to see where Friends was filmed and all these other shows that I really, really love. But at the end, you know, I, I got this to uh, a chance to meet with the speakers. And I said, listen, you will not offend me in any way, shape or form. But I need to ask this one question. Am I am I simply blowing smoke up my own behind, thinking that this is an actual reality for me? I was 46 at the time, um, noting that, you know, most of the writers and everything that we see in all the trades and everything, young, very young people, 20s, 30s, and you know, that sort of thing. And this woman looked me clearly without blinking. And she said, you know what? You are at the you are coming to us at the right time. She's like, what's that one thing you have that most people in their 20s don't have? Life experience. You've been through some shit. You've been through some stuff that other people have yet to experience. And that is what makes quality television. That's what makes quality films. You have to know what it's like to go through these things, to be able to write them down. And guys, not everyone can do what we do. As screenwriters, you belong to an extraordinarily exclusive fraternity of people who have been given a gift that is so ridiculously powerful that quiet is kept. This entire industry needs, not wants, but needs. We are essential workers to the entertainment business. Let no one on this planet diminish your ability or what you bring to the table, because without you, there is no table at all. Chills right now. <laughs> I love that so much, and it is really true. I mean, they, the the screenplay is the blueprint for everybody to Everything. create. Yeah, to create that piece of you know the series or the movie, etc. Um, and and we are so essential. It's beautiful. Tell me more about um, your role in, role in Roadmap. I, I know a lot of people who've gone through Roadmap's programs. You have a lot of different offerings and programs, and I'd love to understand it a little bit better because I know that you guys really care about your writers, and, and that's yes. amplified from your sharing here. So at, at Roadmap, one of the things I like to tell people right up front is that we don't actually teach you how to write. Um, there's certainly other places where, where you can, you know, learn the craft, but we're basically like a finishing school in that now that you have come, you know, gain an understanding of structure, of format, of creating powerful story, uh, now you come to us 
to get the next part done, which is understanding the business of screenwriting. And that's from pitching to dealing with executives to how to how to take the next steps to make move into the next level of your career. Uh, on top of that, we provide you with an enormous amount of support, of classes, webinars, a lot of them free. Um, so it's not like we say, you know, here's the sheet, follow along with the sheet and and uh, good luck with your career. No, we want to be there with you every step of the way. Um, we, we certainly try to make sure that every writer who we introduce to a manager, that they meet um, criteria on both sides so that um, there are managers and agents out there who are looking for women over 40 who write a specific genre, you know, that they're looking for um, for uh, members of the LGBTQTIA community who are also um, um, people of color. And so there's a number of different boxes that can be filled. And I don't want to I don't want to leave anyone out. So, I mean, gentlemen, if you're you know, if you're just a straight white guy looking right, there's still people out there looking for you, too. So, you know, I don't want there's this there's this notion and, and we got it. We got it. We might as well address it. There's this notion that bringing other people to the table means that you're taking opportunities away from someone else to, to do that. And that is an absolute lie. I say that as an absolute lie, because if you actually count the number of networks, streamers, um, basic cable, premium cable, and things that are being added, networks and, and uh, that are being added daily, not weekly. Yes, literally every day, there is not enough to fill, right? So the places where where, where you think, I can only go here, I can only go there. Well, no, there, it's not. There, the, the table is so gigantic. Uh, even the people who are servicing it right now, who've been servicing it for years, decades, cannot fulfill the need. The need exceeds everything else. So there's room, there's room for everybody. I love that. I mean, there's never been so many buyers. So it mm -hmm. is a really good time to be focusing on writing these types of stories. And it's exactly. an inspiring time. I mean, I know that a lot of thrillers were bought during the pandemic and we're seeing somewhat less comedy. What what are you seeing from your perspective and vantage point? Um it's interesting. I I think comedies are go going to take uh, a huge surge here soon. Just if for no other reason than because of the pandemic, right? Um, and there's, I think most people, especially if you're like me, you have run the gamut on your Netflix account. I mean, I have, I have, wow. <laughs> I, I put in so many hours with Netflix. I think that they should be paying me for real. I think they should, they should cut me a check. Um, <laughs> they could, <laughs> but, but I, I will tell you the shows that got me through the pandemic were not the mysteries or the thrillers. Cause I'm a big thriller horror guy, right? I, I eat that stuff for breakfast. Mm. Um, but it's been the comedies and not just your average everyday comedy. So like um, things like the, the remake of One Day at a Time, um, uh, uh, Hacks, uh, Mystery Glacius. I mean, I can I can name a dozen shows and most of which I'm like, please, God, let them all come back. Uh, because I think that there's I think that there's a, a huge need and demand for it. I mean, my wife and I, we, we watched reruns of Scrubs like it's a religion and and we just found out like maybe last week um night court is on imdb tv so we oh, have to, yes, robert for real <laughs> yes yes dude for real i had to i emailed my kids about it and they lost their minds oh that's and so, so 
And so, yeah, so good classic comedy stuff like that's like, and, and, and now they're talking about doing a remake of Night Court. Mm -hmm. So what my I'm seeing- re, My son and I rewatched every episode of Community and it was yeah. so great to have something where, you know, I could give him a great big hug and we could sit down <laughs> yes. together and laugh. And, you yes. know, now, now we're going through and all that's the, the magic. We're, we are gone all the way back to like 2000 with um, Saturday Night Live because now he's old enough to watch them and appreciate them. And I'm like, all yes, right, we yes. have a lot of infinite comedy that we can keep watching together. But I'd love to see more comedies uh, and, and more true comedies, too. We have a lot of great dramedies, but it'd be awesome yes. to see some real laugh out loud comedies, you know, with some great jokes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think writers need to, especially when we're, we're we're talking about, you know, there being so much room is to we we have this tendency here to think um only locally by that i mean only in the u.s there is a gigantic international market i mean and this is what we mean by there's so you know there's so many different buyers around the world that we can't you know there you know the need is just far too great and so you know thinking thinking in those terms means there's there's room to do some things and to be to be creative and to be courageous uh, with your work. Uh, part, I think the biggest thing about being a screenwriter is that um, everyone needs to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You got to push yourself into trying things that take you outside of your comfort zone in order to not necessarily be relevant, but to just stay on your game at all times. It's so it's so true. You know, you, you touched on pitching. I want to circle back to that because this week for the Entertainment Business School students, it's been pitching. So um, they've been learning pitching and I'd love to get your take on um, mistakes to avoid and any tips you might, any tips you might have. So uh, pitching is, is a very interesting animal. And the one thing that I must tell everyone up front, um, if you are truly serious, and I believe each and every one of you are, um, you cannot in any way, shape or form shy away from pitching. Um, it, it is at the end of the day, the bottom line difference in terms of you establishing a relationship with whoever that exec is that you're pitching to, to, to build a relationship, to, to get them to know you and want to build you. So mistakes to avoid is when you go to pitch one, absolutely positively know your pitch. Don't do not do not. Okay, I'm I'm gonna become Uncle James now. So I've adopted all of you, and I'm now Uncle James. Okay. If Uncle James finds out that you read your pitch to an executive, I will find you. I have a spatch. I have a very special spatula. And you will. You know, I will find you. Um, know your pitch. Uh, you got it. You have to absolutely breathe. <laughs> And I and I say brief because I see mo so many people. It's like, hi, my name is So-So. I want to tell you about my pitch. And it's about this. Whoa, 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 slow down. The auctioneer, Relax. the auctioneer writers of pitches. Yes, yeah, yes. And 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 here's the thing: the pitch is about creating an emotional response, right? And so, if you are just like, hi, I'm Bob. I'm going to tell you about my story today. That is a comedy, and there's absolutely no comedy in anything that I'm doing right now. Yeah. You have to you have to transmit the same kind of emotion that you want to get out of your executives, and work very hard to make sure that your pitch is clear, clear and concise, so that they know what kind of story they're getting. Um, one of the things that I love most about pitching, 
um, is doing comps, right? So knowing, you know, and what the comps are, they're comparables to like, your show is this meets this, right? And you can use your comps in such a way that you get an immediate emotional response from whoever you're pitching to that makes them want to lean in and know more, right? For example, I'm watching all of your faces right now and I'm going to give you a, a pitch, right? And I'm just gonna use my comps. So hi, my name is James Moore. I'd like to tell you today about my action fantasy, somewhat comedy called Heroic Starship Scuttlebutt. Now this show is basically Star Trek meets Sanford and Son. Every single one of you smile. Yep, got it. Every single one of you smile. This is this is exactly what I mean when you pitch. Because like in the brain of that executive, whoever you're pitching, it's just like, wait, what? Hold up. I, I, now it's just like not only did you get emotional response, you're like, okay, you know, and and probably about half of you literally just like, <laughs> you know, yeah, and you not only smiled. Can- this yeah. is what you just shared too was the two comps that surprise each other yes. that go to that in like dovetail in a super interesting way we're all like wait what like you said it builds a lot of intrigue right there yes yes so it, you, you imagine not so much what goes on in your brain but what goes on in their brain trying to put together exactly what they're about to hear that's where the intrigue is built that's where the interest is built and now all of a sudden they're leaning in hold up hold up wait i gotta and and you know and there are tricks like this that you can do in in terms of pitching your voice you know how you, how you deliver a pitch um how you how your mannerisms you know and staying very confined in a spe- specific space there's a lot that you can do there that will bring people closer to you bring them into your story get them to understand how personal and real the story means to you and and hold their attention that's the thing holding their attention for the limited space and time that you have it because if you can do that uh, that's half of the battle the other half is you got it you got to deliver a solid script but if you can get if you can do that then that would be phenomenal by the way later this evening i'm also teaching a free class called you guessed it uncle james's pitch and kitchen um that you can <laughs> You can come come check me out. Come can get all the details. Uh, it's free to anyone. Um, just just go to the the roadmap site. Look for Uncle James's Pitch and Kitchen, and uh, yeah, uh, join me. At, I think at four for today. Uncle James Pitch and Kitchen. I love that. Do you teach it from time to time? Because the podcast will air after that has happened today. Yes, uh, I, it's a it's a monthly class that I teach uh, the first uh, Friday of every month. Um, I share secrets. I share share insights. Uh, anything and everything to to make people feel the one thing that you should not feel is uh, uh, scared or nervous about about pitching. You should always go in it with a sense of confidence, with the sense that it's going to be fun. Um, to always know that the person you know you are an authentic and authoritative speaker on on your story you got to be the subject so like things you don't say it's just like well it's kind of like this never say kind of that's another uncle james rule it's like if i hear you say kind of i will find you just don't don't use kind of like is it right exactly it's like is is it this or isn't it this it's not kind of like this it is or it isn't 
deal in that regard, dealing dealing certain kind of absolutes. Know know exactly what the heart of your story is, so that when you're you're pitching it, you're able to transmit to whoever the exec is that is listening to you. This is the kind of stuff that I like to do, and you can feel my passion in it. And whether that's something funny or dark, because just as easy as I can go Star Trek meets uh, Sanford and Son. I can just as easily switch over and lean into you and tell you a dark and twisted tale about a young man who becomes a hero in the old West, an ex-slave, ex-soldier who becomes an exorcist. His name is Black Bones Jones. And nobody moved. <laughs> nobody moved. Yeah, everybody's clapping so, on the call. That's great. And so, and so again, you know, it's it's like, how do you pull these things in? How do you pull people? to to hear and, and and get a sense and a feel for your story because the one thing that you that a lot of us don't take into consideration is it's your voice right because you're the storyteller not only on the page but when you're talking you know when you're talking about your story and the best piece of advice i can give you when you're pitching is like think of it like going to a bar to meet a friend that you haven't seen in 10 or 15 years like one of your best buds and you have the juiciest gossip on planet earth so when you're like kaya girl i got to tell you the story and just for my facial expressions i'm like you're like oh damn oh oh, oh okay is this gonna be deeper than scandal oh what's what's going on okay I, I love up, the dramatic pause too. The, the use of the dramatic pause is really yes, powerful. Yes. It's really powerful when you get people on the edge of their seat, like, oh, tell me more. I think yep. the biggest mistake I saw when I was a development exec was that the teams in front of me so often were they were nervous and pitching, which is totally normal, but they weren't bringing their passion. And yes. the, the two biggest mistakes you can make when you're pitching is either you're boring or confusing. And mm -hmm. you won't get a sale if you're boring or confusing. So really positioning, it's like, if, if this is the story you want to tell, tell us about it. Why is mm -hmm. it a story for us, for you? And you know what, like you said, is your relationship to the right. story. Um, and sometimes that doorway is in through your favorite character. And uh, mm -hmm. sometimes it's in through the world of that world yes. that you've created, that you're drawing from, from your own true story. Absolutely. There I want to ask you about your um so let's say for a moment i am i'm a screenwriter i'm super passionate a lot of uh above the line creatives are in my audience listening to this podcast and let's say let's talk to the writers for a moment they're so excited to you know they love their scripts they've been working so hard at it and now they've maybe even placed in a couple of competitions and they're like hey i've been getting some traction and then they're like how do i get a rep they're trying cold querying it's not working they hear about road roadmap writers and they go to the website and they go, oh, this is great. Look, they've gotten, you know, nearly 300 writers signed. What's the journey like? Where do I start? How do I, you know, go through the roadmap programs with that eye on the prize if I really want to be repped or staffed or selling features, whatever that writer's goal might be? Um, I would say first and foremost, and, and I alluded to a little bit of this earlier, is <clears throat> somehow you must dismiss the notion that this exchange is going to be transactional. 
um, our CEO, Joey, Joey Tuchel will tell you himself, you know, to always be a person first and a screenwriter second. Um, I think for us, when you come to Roadmap and, you know, you're looking to go through the career writer program, one of the things that we we like to emphasize is the fact that you're going to meet and encounter a number of executives. So along this path that you go with us, they're going to see you and have an opportunity to watch you grow, not just from the perspective of your writing, but how you build out, you know, your pitching abilities, how you connect with executive things you learn and are able to to pivot and, you know, eliminate mistakes and, and everything along the way. But you must be a person first and you must be a genuine person. And by that, by that I mean, execs have reps that, or excuse me, execs have writers that they will, they will meet and go, okay, you know, yeah. Um, you seem like a pretty cool person. I, I like your backstory, I, you know, or, you know, there's something in your backstory that resonates with me. And so you're making a personal connection. And what's important about that is that if, if you're coming into this thinking that, well, you know, I just need to get a rep. I just need to get, you know, I, I'm, I'm just looking to get staff. Yeah, that's your end goal. But remember, on the other side of that table is someone who's looking at you going, is this a person that I want to be working with for the next three to five years? And there's some harsh, hard realities that you have to be able to accept and boxes you need to check off to do that. One, um, I don't care what anyone tells you, you need to constantly be writing. Um, you should have, you, when you come to us, you should at least have two scripts two polished scripts ready to go. Um, the one thing that that I think a lot of writers, where a lot of writers misstep is that they will write one project, one great project that they spent maybe a year or two on. This is my polished script. I think it's going to be the next best TV show. And that's not true. That is not, that is nowhere near true. And any, any other service or whatnot that tells you that is lying to you. Here's the thing. Um, that's going to be a great writing sample. That's going to be, that's going to be something that's going to tell execs, you know, how to write and potentially could get you staffed on a show or get you other work assignment work specifically. But if all you have is one, that's a red flag. That's going to tell executives. You haven't really leaned into this hard enough. You're not, you're not specifically ready to move to the next level. Maybe in a year you might be. And the thing that, that I, the reason why I tell you to always be writing, I don't mean you need to write every single day. You should, but you don't have to write every single day because there's research, there's everything else. You have to come up, you have to somehow convince yourself that you're not a writer the day that someone hands you a six figure check. And let me say that again. You are not a writer the day that someone hands you a six-figure check. You're a writer. You're a screenwriter the day that you decide to do two things. Buy whatever screenwriting software that you choose to buy and start writing. That moment, that day, you are a screenwriter. Everything else is a byproduct of the actual work that you will do. 
So when people come to Roadmap thinking that I want to do this, I want to do that. It's not, it's not a point A to point B. It's, it's a journey. It's a process. And there's a great deal about pitching that you will learn. And what it did for me personally, having gone through it myself, I found, I knew how to write when I came to Roadmap as a student. I knew how to write. I did that, no question whatsoever. But what I didn't know was I hadn't found my voice yet. Roadmap helped me find my voice. And when I found it, it was, that was, that became my new drug. So then I couldn't wait to write. And it was, it was, it was challenging. Yes. And, and I learned to accept the fact that not everything is going to be perfect. So whatever first draft vomit draft that you do, give yourself permission for it to simply be that it's just a vomit draft and it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to go back and rewrite page one a thousand times before you get to the end, get to the end and then go back. Um, I found that there were so many amazing things I discovered that made me a much better writer by simply letting go of a lot of things. And Roadmap helped me discover not only my voice, but it they kind of gave me a little bit of an attitude. Because um, I went from being I went from being this writer who goes, would you please read my script, sir? Please, please. May I have another rejection? I love that's your Oliver voice too. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. Oh, man, I, I, went, I went from being that guy to becoming, my name is James Moore. I write thrillers. I write horrors. I write deeply personal character-driven dramas. And my shit is the shit. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Woo! Oh, I love that so much. I'm so glad you, you, you joined us today. I'm totally sold. I'm like, I'm ready to sign up. <laughs> <laughs> and road, Roadmap does that. And, and again... It's it's not easy. And I went I went almost two years in top tier before I got signed. And 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 when I got in, there were only like 60, 61, 62 writers had been signed at that time. Um, my one of my best friends, who is a dear friend and colleague, she's part of my wolf pack, um, told me, you need to get your ass in the roadmap before I kick your ass. And I'm like, that's a ringing endorsement. I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, you know, basically there was so much that I was, I was learning, you know, and, and, and discovering about myself as a screenwriter. And I'm no different than any other person who, who's, who's tried to make this as a, you know, as a business. When I saw my friends getting signed initially, I was just like, damn it. When is it going to be my turn? You know, why, why isn't it me? And I had to get out of that. I, I, cause it was destructive. It was destructive. Yeah. Not only it was, yeah, it was destructive. Not only to my career it was destructive to my work. And so once I figured out how to let that go, I'm just like cheering everybody. And, and here's what it did for me. The day that I finally got, or finally got signed. Um, um, actually a few days before that, my manager said, told me later that he made up his mind, like our second meeting. He, he said, he asked me a question and, and I said, well, I write every day. He says, well, how many projects have you done? I said, six. He's like, what? I said, six. I said, I wrote, you know, I said, this year I've written, and it, the year wasn't done. And I'd already written three pilots and three features, working on two more. Um, 
And he's like, so you really like doing this? I says, no, I don't like doing this. This is this is what I do. This this goes back to what Kyle was saying about it being a calling. I eat, breathe and sleep this stuff 24 seven nonstop, whether there's a pin in my hand, whether I'm in front of a computer, no matter what I live this life, because the thing that I learned at the end of the day was this. If you tell people you're a screenwriter and you don't believe it, it's going to show up. If you truly, truly believe it, if you truly, truly believe it, um, I, I would I would advise you to do this one thing, do this one thing, um, because they tell you to follow the habits of successful people. Um, Kaya is a perfect example. Um, I, I don't know how much money Kaya makes, but I can tell you this about Kaya, right? She gets up every day with a six figure mindset. Now, what does that mean? It's the difference between most writers who come into this business with a five figure mindset because a five figure mindset has paid vacations, time off, medical, dental, you know, it's all this other stuff that's already covered and whatnot. So you can kind of like coast and you, you expect that at five o'clock you can clock out and on a Friday and you've got, you know, until Monday morning to, you know, to come back and do it. No. A six-figure mindset says we are doing this seven days a week nonstop. Every opportunity that we can find, we will take. Every opportunity that comes to us, we will make. Every time there is a potential for us to stand up and be greater and do greater than we did the day before, we are going to meet that challenge with a smile on our face, rain, sleet, or snow. Because our success is not a possibility, it is inevitable. Once you approach screenwriting, I swear to God, guys, this is true. Once you approach screenwriting with that kind of mindset, when people look at you and ask you, oh, you're a screenwriter, what's your backup plan? My backup plan is to never back up. And don't you ever ask me that question again. <laughs> <Woo -hoo. laughs> Y'all didn't knew you was getting a badass screenwriter. Today, did you? I love it. I love it. I love that, James. Thank you so much. I, I also really endorse roadmap writers. And as you all could tell from James speaking today, it's because they care. They really, truly care. And it is a joy to refer people over to Roadmap because I know that you guys care. They're going to be well taken care of. And that's a that's a beautiful thing in this world where that kind of support and caring is really there. Uh, and also in this industry where there are a lot of sharks, where there are a lot of people who will just fleece you and take your dollars and walk away with them and you don't get any value out of that. So I just want to thank you uh, from all of us and from me today for taking the time to be with us and the podcast interview and for sharing all of your fantastic gold nuggets of wisdom um, from pitching all the way through uh, making friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. A um, couple of things, last things I want to leave you guys with. Uh, one, because uh, Kai is so amazing and um, I love everything that she's doing. I love her heart and uh, that she's she's willing to give so much to help people. Um, she calls her crew the wolf pack. I, I would encourage you guys to do this. Learn to lean upon one another. Um, the group, the crew that I came up with, I, I call them my crew. Um, as we were developing and building on our craft, we made one specific promise to each other. And that was to always tell the truth. Is that so, you know, if, if, if my writing was bad, tell me I'm bad. If, it, if it's, uh, 
crap on a stick. Tell me that I need to know. I don't want it sugarcoated because I want to succeed and I want to help them succeed and trust, trust in your gifts, trust in the ability that as long as you keep learning, as long as you keep leaning on everything that you're learning and learn well, you know, know that not everything is going to make sense or, or every opinion about your work is going to be something that uh, you agree with. Simply smile and, you know, take the note and, and move on. But uh, more than anything, more than anything else, and this is the last thing I'll leave you guys with today. Um, there is this sense, um, whether you're a pro or just starting out, writers get this thing where they, you know, where, where you believe that you're a, you're a fraud, right? Imposter you, syndrome. Yes. Imp thank you. I was trying to... I, I hadn't had enough coffee to remember what to call it, right? <laughs> I'm an imposter. And a lot of times, what that is rooted in is if you've ever watched the Emmys or watched the Oscars and watched all the people accepting all the awards for best screenplay or best adapted screenplay and wondered, another year has gone by and I wasn't there. I feel like such an imposter. Or a friend of yours who's a screenwriter gets their big break. and. You know, it's just what are they doing that, I, you know, you're you're constantly self-judging yourself. Um, I would I would certainly encourage you and feel free to hit me up if you ever start feeling like this so I can yell at you. Um, I would certainly encourage you to always remember, please, for the love of God, remember. You specifically were given this gift. I call it a gift because not everyone has it. And if you think about the history of the world, the entire world, and how we are moved to do things or to right wrongs or to undo an injustice, it begins with one word, story. Who are the greatest people to move and propel the world to a better place. Storytellers. So if for whatever reason you find yourself doubting, doubting that you are a good storyteller, that you are, I take that back, that you are a great storyteller. If you find yourself doubting that, I, I encourage you to lean on the words of Stephen Pressfield in his book, The War of Art. And I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but imagine if you will, that the knowledge, the singular knowledge to cure cancer, to break cold fusion, to move the world itself one inch closer to God was in your hands and you decided to do nothing. What do you rob the world of? What do you take away from your children? your grandchildren and future generations to come. I will tell you an absolute truth. I have one prevailing nightmare, a nightmare in my life that continues to propel me to write. I wake up in prison and there are screams and all sorts of unholy sounds that you could ever imagine. And from that cell, I moved into a room where I'm surrounded by a circle of people with angry eyes glaring at me. I had this nightmare 
consecutively for three straight years, nonstop. And when I tell you that I tried everything imaginable, legal and illegal, to not have that nightmare, I did. And nothing worked. Nothing stopped me from having this nightmare. Until one night, I finally decided I needed to pay attention to the faces of these people and why they were staring angrily at me. And so, like clockwork, somewhere between 1 a.m. and 3 a.m., I had that nightmare again. And I consciously forced myself to look into these faces, men, women of every race, color, and creed, until I finally landed on one gentleman. And I spoke out loud in my sleep this name, Eddie. Eddie was the main character of the book that I've been working on that I'd stopped writing. Eddie was speaking to me. Steve Harvey tells a story that imagine, actually, it's it's not Steve Harvey. It's a, a less, uh, I forget, less is less Brown. Imagine you're on your deathbed and surrounding you right, is every single character you were ever meant to create, every single dream that would have come behind them, every single person that would have benefited from you doing your work. And they're staring at you with large, angry eyes, realizing we're going to the grave with you. You had a chance. You had an opportunity to do something and to be something. And you chose not to. And now we must die along with you. Every single thing that you could have done to move the world that much closer to a better place was in the palm of your hand. And you chose not to do it. Please understand, this is the responsibility that you have as a creative. This is why they call us crazy. This is why they call us crazy. So I not only implore you, I challenge each and every one of you this day, beginning right now, do not any longer look down upon yourselves or feel as though you're sort of imposter or a fraud or any of those adjectives that would take away from the magic and the given greatness that is truly you but to know that you've already been gifted with the power to do something amazing. And as Kaya herself said, you are now working from a seven figure mindset and know that from this day forward and forevermore, we do not beg for a damn thing. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, James. <laughs> Yay, everyone's clapping. <laughs> Full round of applause for you and your spirit today. Thanks for your amazing pep talk and all your wisdom. And I look forward to finding you um, in our next call, whenever that may be, and soon, because we're going to schedule one. Awesome, awesome. Thanks well, thank you for having me, everybody. Uh, it's really been a pleasure to be here with you guys today. And, uh, you know, certainly uh, hit me up or, you know, check us out at RoadmapRiders.com. We're more than happy to help in any way that we can. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Entertainment Business Wisdom. We invite you to subscribe, like, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Kaya Alexander and Sylvia Franklin can be found on Twitter for your questions and comments. Kaya at This Is Kaya, T H I S I S K A I A, and Sylvia at R Writer, that's R W R I T E U R. 
Get career training and a free ebook, How to Pitch Anything in One Minute, at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Thank you.